everyone. We're glad that you uh, have taken some time to join us uh, looking at God's word. And uh, hopefully, hopefully tonight is uh, beneficial for your spirit, for your soul, uh, maybe even for your body, uh, just as we uh, endeavor to to be the body of Christ and to watch uh, him as and work along with him as he builds his church. If you weren't here last week, I mean, you may hear being that we met on our parking lot. Uh, I would really encourage you to take a, take a, a look at our YouTube channel and uh, ha- watch the baptisms that happened. We had um, th- three baptisms that were planned for last weekend here on the parking lot. And then at the end of the service, uh, just watching Holy Spirit move on somebody's life. And they came and said, you know, I don't have a towel and I didn't bring a change of clothes, but I need to be baptized. And it was such a, a really powerful moment. We didn't capture that on, on videos. It's one of those you had to be here. And, and I'd hope that you would join us at our next one. It's coming up in a couple weeks. So you'll see an announcement for that. But even after that, just watching as Holy Spirit moved on the, the heart of another young man and and we had the chance to go out to the lake later on that afternoon, and he shared his story around a fire, and we baptized him in the lake. Uh, it was uh, it's just really, really cool to see living out the Great Commission of uh, go into all the world uh, and preach the gospel. Uh, those who believe, baptize them, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was just cool to see that Jesus is building his church. And so wherever you may be, that's what he's doing right now. He's building his church, and we're grateful to be a part of it. We've been looking at the early church, what Jesus started with and how by his Holy Spirit, he moved through the book of Acts. And and we see that the early church was devoted to a number of things. Hopefully you can just snap them off uh, just from memory, what the early church was devoted to. He was devoted to the apostles' teaching, which was the the study of the word. Uh, They were devoted to prayer, uh, and they were devoted to fellowship. And actually, they were were devoted to doing all of this stuff together. Uh, They they would gather together, which is the the meaning of the word church, is is gathering. And uh, as we see that that's what Jesus began to do, that's what Luke writes. He says, this is what Jesus began to do. Uh, We're seeing that still happening now uh, in, in 2021, where he is building his church. And uh, as Kingsway, you know, uh, we, we want to join with that, to be devoted to being disciples and making disciples just like they were, that we would continue to build a healthy, life-giving church that unchurched people would want to become a part of. And, and that's changed over this past year in the sense that it's harder to get together and be a part of a, of the, of a large gathering. But our, our hope is to build healthy, life-giving gatherings that, that people who are not connected to Jesus have, are just so drawn to. And uh, in order for that to happen, we, we, we need you to be a part of that. And so the question that we have is how can we best fulfill that mission and that vision of building a healthy life-giving church that unchurched people want to become a part of? How do we best fulfill that in the day and in the time that we're living in? And so I'd love to just jump into scripture uh, tonight as we, as we um, study together. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. Here's one of the verses we've talked about often and it matters. It says this, he, Jesus, makes the whole body, the whole gathering, the whole church fit together perfectly. He's the one doing it. And it's been neat to watch as we, as we, as we um, maybe take our hands off a little bit of the building process, watching Christ at work through, through his body. It says this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. We don't want to miss that word. It's helping the other parts grow. And he says, so that the whole body's healthy and growing and full of love. That's, a, that's what Paul's writing to the Ephesians. That's why Christ is putting everyone together so that there's this mutual growth. Because Christ's goal and our goal is growth. It's growth. Well, how do you measure growth in a church? 
Is it, you know, numbers in, in the pews? Well, there aren't any pews. And, you know, for a long time, we haven't been able to gather in the building. So do you measure it by numbers? Uh, or do you measure it by how big the offerings are? Are we still taking in enough money? And I, you know, I'm so grateful for this congregation of people. And, and your generosity has, has exceeded our, um, our hopes all the way through this. And as a result, you've been an incredible blessing to others. But is that how you measure growth? Many would. But I believe that we measure growth in Jesus followers based on how well they follow the command and the commission of Jesus. How well do individual believers follow the command and the commission of Jesus? I'm reading through a book called Healthy, um, uh, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And Pete Scazzaro, the author, writes this. He says, we are after long-term inner transformation into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. Uh, when I read it, I was like, man, yeah, that, that's, that's something in my heart was like, that, that is who we are. We, we are after long-term inner transformation into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. Building a healthy life-giving church, being conforming to his image, but for the benefit of those who are, who are seeking and maybe don't even know it yet. And so, so here's the question, how does Jesus cause that kind of growth to happen? You know, how does he cause that to, to, to happen in the early church and now? Well, we see that it's the famous line that we've had for a while now. Each part plays a part. Each part plays a part. Are you, have you figured that out yet? That, that you watching there, you play a part in this. You're like, well, I just sit at home and watch on, my, on, my, uh, on YouTube. Well, there's some, you're missing a part of the, the connection of his body by doing that. Maybe, I know there's some that, that you, you watch in a different province. And, and I'd encourage you to find a local gathering of believers to be connected to because you matter. And each part is meant to play a part in some way, you know, the, the church is designed, uh, just based on Ephesians 4, 16, it's designed to connect to one another. Just remember those words, connect to one another in authentic relationship and uh, in, be involved in one another's lives and growing together as followers of Jesus. That's, that's what the, the whole idea behind Ephesians 4 is that there's this connection of one another that causes one another to grow. As we've been reading through Acts, uh, as uh, uh, many of us, I think it's over 65 of us are reading through the book of, well, reading through the New Testament, but we happen to find ourselves in Acts. If you'd like to join us with that, just, just text me and send me a text. Say, hey, I want in on the Bible plan. Like, get me in on Acts. It's never too late to start. We'd love for you to, you don't even have to read all the rest. You can just jump in right now. And the comments have been phenomenal as people have been saying, hey, I've got, I've got questions about what I just read. And others would say, well, oh, I had that question a long time ago. And here's what I've learned. And, and they just going back and forth. And I just, as a, as a pastor, just to sit back and watch people study the word together, even though they're in different locations and grow as a result has been, has been incredible. Uh, and as we read through Acts, we see that the whole church was based on relational things. There's so much relational stuff uh, and they show the highs of, you know, when they got it right, they, they're showing the lows. Like we're just reading about how Paul and Barnabas fought so much that they separated ways and they, these guys didn't get it all right. There were some wins, but there were some flaws. And, but we see that relationship was at the heart of all of it. And to be honest, we need relationship uh, and we need relationships in our lives where we can be genuine, just very real people with, with one another, with no fear no, or no judgment or rejection. I wonder, don't you feel that? Like, is there a desire on the inside to be able to be yourself around other people with no fear of being, you know, judged or, or, or rejected? Did you know that the church, the gathering of Jesus followers was actually meant to be that place? The place where you could come and you could feel like that. But for many, that hasn't been the experience. You know, for, for many, as they've gone into a church building or to a, to a large gathering of, of um, Christians, 
they felt, they, they, the, the feeling has been the opposite. I feel like everybody's looking at me like they're looking down on me. I'm sure they are. Or they just feel judged. And even if, even if the, the gathering isn't judging them, there's this feeling that goes along with it. And for many, when you ask them about their church experience, that's what it was. It was, well, it was judgmental or they, they were hypocritical or, or whatever. But we all have this desire to be connected to a place where we can be genuine and authentic. And the early church understood that the gathering of Jesus followers was all about a relationship. This authentic relationship with one another. You know, Jesus' greatest command to his followers started with the 11. He said, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. Love one another. That There's something authentic about loving one another going both ways. Here's what you find in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. This is John and I witness of this, of this conversation and of this quote. He writes down, he says, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's my commandment to you. And we've said it many times. Love each other just as I have loved you. Don't, not, you don't love each other because they love you or because they're going to do something in return. He's like, no, I want you to love them because you're loved. Just know that you're loved and you can share that love with one another. He says in verse 35, actually that love for one another, it's going to prove to the world that you're my disciples. It's going to prove that you actually are my followers. And we're going to come back to that in a bit. But have you ever been given a command that, uh, that you've not actually been able to do? Somebody tells you to do something that's just impossible. You know, we, we always make, make fun of people back in the day, you know, when they come to, to work in the greenhouse and we tell them, you know, hey, go get the sky hook. And they're like, well, I don't know what that is. And we're like, go ask somebody. You know, or this buddy of mine, he was um, working in landscape and he always said, oh, yeah, yeah, we always sent the new guy to the truck to get the rock stretcher. And we're like, there's no such thing as a rock stretcher, but they would keep looking. And it is like, there's, it's an impossible task. But you know what I find interesting is that some of the commands that Jesus gave us, that he gave to the church, are actually impossible to do in the, in the church the way we've always known it. They're impossible to do in the church the way we've always known it. And, and, and many of the commands, they, they've been given to the church, but in our minds we think to the large church as a whole. And, and they don't really work very well there. We've spoken about this for years but as I was just, you know, reviewing and refreshing on this, realized it's something that I've seen so much of our, of our congregation um, catching a hold of and understanding and experiencing and realizing the beauty of it. But so today, I just, it's an invitation to those who have not yet found their way into that smaller connection. And for those who are part of the smaller connection to actually learn what's, what the purpose of that smaller connection is. What, what are we meant to be doing as the Jesus followers, as this idea of each part playing a part and causing the rest to grow. It's, it's not just an idea or a utopian thought. There's a how-to. And, 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 and it's, it's interesting because the New Testament writers, they actually give us the application of Jesus' command to love one another. Love one another is not a feeling. There's, a, there's action behind it. And so we look at a few of them to, uh, as, we're, as we're studying. So I want to just take a look at three today. Number one is from uh, Pastor James. Pastor James, the brother of Jesus, he writes to the early Jesus followers and he gives some application to Jesus' command. Jesus' command was, hey, love one another as I have loved you. That one another part, he says this, James 5, 16. Confess your sins to one another. You know, it might be translated as each other or whatever, but that's the same idea. Confess your sins to one another. You see, it's why he's brought the gathering together is so that, that you can grow. And I hope everyone grow by how? By confessing your sins to one another. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, and then, and then pray for one another so that you might be healed. He goes on to say that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
So at the end of this uh, session, we're just going to ask you, you know, if you're in a, in a group of people, why don't, I'd like you to right away just go and gather and start confessing your sins to, to somebody. And if you're sitting at home alone, just go out on, you know, afterwards, just go out and find somebody walking down the sidewalk and just ask them, okay, can I confess my sins to you? And like, none of you, like, you're like, no, no, we're, we're not doing that. And I'm, and I'm glad you wouldn't because, you know, even if you did, I would just caution you, don't be the first one. You know, if, you, if you're in your group and say, okay, we're going to confess our sins, don't be the one to start because it may not go very well for you. You know, you, you know the person, you may, you may air your dirty laundry and their response is like, oh, wow, you cheated on your wife? Like, I was just going to say I went 90 and an 80 on the way to the, to the gathering together. You know, we... we we look at James and he's like, hey, this is, what, this is a command to you. I'm like, well, that doesn't really work very well in a parking lot full of people or in a building with, with hundreds of people or at, you know, at a worship conference with 5,000 people. It just, it just doesn't work very well. What happens are like our image management kicks in. We're like, we want people to think better of us than we really are. I, I do. It, it's, this, it's this thing about us that we, we want people to think, um, to, to, to think something of us. We want them to you know, have the best thoughts, but what we really need is for someone to really know us. We, we often want people to think something of us, but we, and, and we want to be known for something. You know, that, that guy, he's like the, you know, the, he's got the best business going, or that girl, woman, she's like the best, she's the most fashionable person I know. We want to be known for something. The truth is we really need to be known by someone or a bunch of someones. You know, the truth is, it's okay not to be okay. I wrestle with that all the time. Because for me, it's like, man, I just always want to have all the ducks in a row. Or at least let people think, oh, he's got it all figured out. I mean, we all, we all do, if we're honest. But the truth is, it's okay not to be okay. The, 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 the thing is that it's not okay. It's not okay if you can't tell someone when you're not okay. Who do you talk to when you're not okay? Who, who, who do you go to? Who do you tell when you say, you know what, truly, honestly, I'm afraid, or I'm worried, or I'm depressed, or I'm having suicidal thoughts, or I'm so angry at my parents, or I, I, I'm constantly thinking lustful thoughts, or I can't, I can't stop drinking. I'm, I'm drinking too much. I, I'm eating too much. You know, I, I just can't stop buying stuff online. I, I'm addicted to the little smile on the box that keeps coming from the postman. Whatever it may be, who do, who do you tell? Who do you tell? You know, when you can't tell someone, it just, the problem gets bigger. But if you do tell someone in a gathering where you don't know them, it just gets awkward for everyone. Why? Well, because it truly wasn't meant to work that way, but it was meant to work. You know, it wasn't when James was saying, hey, confess your sins to one another. This wasn't like, a, hey, go confess your sins to a priest. Because that's, you know, often what happens to me. People will come over, <laughs> people will come over and have to talk to me. And Beth will ask me afterwards sometimes, so was it this or was it this? And I'm like, no, sometimes it's, sometimes it's not. But oftentimes people have that thought. I'm like, well, I'll go and confess to a pastor. And I've had that a lot of times. But that's not what James is saying. He's not saying, hey, I want you to go make sure you have a pastor that you can call and confess your sins to. There actually needs to be a gathering of, of people, people in your life where you can allow yourself to be known without the fear of rejection or being judged. And that, that place is called the church, the gathering of Jesus' followers. You know, there's an incredible power in being known. There really is. I, I remember I've had often had people share with me that they were struggling with suicidal thoughts or they're struggling with lust or an addiction or something. And as, as you know, at the end of our talk together, 
they would just describe it saying, you know, I just, I just feel like such a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. What is that? There's that spot of saying, you know what, hey, I'm not okay right now. And I, and I trust you. And for many people trust me simply because I have a, the title of pastor. And like, well, I must be able to trust him. But the idea that Jesus had with the church is that it would be one another. That you guys would pastor one another. That you would have this place where you'd say to a brother or to a sister, hey, I'm not okay right now. And they're like, thank you for sharing that. Let, let, what, what do we do with that? Well, it's actually, a, it's actually a dual command. He actually tells us what we're supposed to do with that. James says, confess your sins and pray for one another. Pray for one another. What a, what a, what a powerful, appropriate response. You know, because there's, there's, there's lots of other responses that happen to that. Some are like, well, you know, instead of praying, I'm, I'm going to tell the pastor. You know, or I'm going huh, to tell your wife. You know, I'm going to tell somebody. You know, or instead of praying, like, uh, I don't think we can be friends anymore. You know, that's pretty like shady or whatever. You know, or getting on the phone with some friends. Hey, did you, did you know what so-and-so did? You know, it's, it doesn't, James's command to them is saying, hey, confess and then pray for and with one another, man, that you might be healed. There have been some, some powerful moments that I've just had a chance to be a part of in these smaller gatherings where people, they, they, they pray not just um, f- uh, with one another, but for one another. And praying out loud, I don't know if last weekend you heard Alex's story here, just a young guy who says it was, it was because I was connected to a small group where I learned how to pray out loud for the first time. And he learned just by getting tossed into the fire. We said, we're going around the room and we're all, we'll pray. And if, you know, if you can, you, um, I don't know, I think we even said you can pass. So we began to pray and all these other, you know, brothers began to pray out loud. And there's Alex. And he's like, oh man, it's coming to me. And it gets to him. He's just like, hey God, <laughs> it's me. None of us had any idea, but what a breakthrough moment for him chances to pray together but he's saying you know that you might be healed it's not just physical healing but that you might be forgiven that you might be made whole that you might have that weight lifted and realize it you know the journey from where you are to where you're going it involves other people who really know you and my question is do you have a group of people that you're connected enough that you can do that it doesn't I'm not not just asking maybe you're like oh yeah I'm part of a small group yeah we meet in the portable has the connection grown to the place where you're like, you know what, I can really, I, I've, I've come to trust these people to the point where he, here it is. Here's what I'm walking through. And as we pray together, may I leave that stuff behind. May I live out a life that's healed. And what a powerful thought. And if you're watching, you feel like, oh man, that, that's me. I, would you reach out and, and, and tell someone you trust? You know, secondly, the writer to Hebrews brings up another application thing of this is what I want you to do as you live out love one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's think of ways to motivate one another. You know, it's, it's not meant to be the idea of a guy motivating the crowd like I'm attempting to do right now. And as I speak at different events over the weekend, that, that my, my hope is, is, you know, not that it's just going to be, oh, that, that's the guy who gives the motivational speech. And then, then you know, hopefully the, the church is going to do something. You know, his idea was that we would motivate one another. That, that, that I might motivate you, that you might motivate me, that you might motivate the others around you, that they would motivate you. Because the thing is, if I were to say just right now, hey, go after this is over, go outside and find a perfect stranger and motivate them to do some good works or to an act of love. And what would you do? 
You can maybe walk out to be like, uh, hey, uh, well, I'm going to try and follow Jesus. So, hey, hey buddy, uh, yeah, go get him, tiger. You know, like, I encourage you to, to I motivate you. Uh, it just doesn't work. There's, there's, there's none of that connection to say, oh, I want to go and do something. You know, the other thing is, how do we ever even know if anybody actually went out and did and was motivated by you to do something good? You know, that's the power of the, of, the, of the smaller gatherings. Sometimes at the big gatherings, we can ask and say, hey, you know, what did we learn last week? And we're devoted to prayer. Yay! Devoted to the word. Yeah! Devoted to gathering together. Yeah! And then it was like, you know, did you do that? And it's like blank stares. You know, nobody wants to like, yep, I did all three in the first five minutes after I left the service, you know? Like, and everybody looks like, oh, it's goody two-shoes, right? But whatever. We, we just don't have that genuine interaction to see that growth is, is measurable and happening. But it's interesting what, what the author of Hebrews writes. He's, he, when he or she, they write this, this um, word. They use an interesting word for motivate. And it's this word provoke or like irritate people into doing good works. Like that's, a, that's a strange thing. It's, it's like, you know when you have a pebble in your shoe? It's like, it's like irritating. And you, if it gets to irritating enough, you'll finally stop, take off your shoe and get the pebble out. And it's, it, it, it kind of, it, it makes itself aware uh, or makes you aware of its presence until you do something about it. And that's this idea of, like, these things are, you, you're aware of this motivating to do something good, these works of love for others. And maybe your experience at church has been somebody has tried that on you. You know, so after the service, they walk up like, huh, still smoking, huh? You know, it's bad for you. You know, haven't you, haven't you seen the pictures on the packaging? Like, don't you love your family? I just prayed about it and God took the desire away. So why haven't you prayed about it? Do you not have enough faith? And then they walk away smugly and you're sitting there and left there. I'm like, oh, who was that lady? Like, she's so irritated. She just makes me want to smoke. And it's the opposite effect of everything. Why? You know, she's trying to motivate you to better decisions. And we have this with all kinds of things. I mean, I mean, we see lots of these things where it's like, oh, I see somebody doing something. I want to try and motivate them to something else, but it's irritating in the wrong way. You know, the kind of stuff where that, that, uh, that type of motivating or that, that uh, provoking works, it works with the, with the people who are close in your life, like your best buddies. The last couple of uh, weeks ago, I did a wedding for, for a relative of mine, and there's these buddies with them, right? These are the guys who, like, he's closest with. They're the ones who, who know him the best. They know what he's, he's good at. They know what he struggles with. They're the ones who can speak into his life, to remind him of things, to encourage him, to motivate him, to choose, you know, to, we, I even challenge him, choose um, and, and remind him to act in love when he doesn't feel like he's in love later. Why? Because those are the people who can actually do it. You know, they're, they're the ones who, he, he knows that they can speak to his face because he knows that they have his back. You know, too often we have people who are like, We're, we'll tell you to your face that you're wrong, but we ain't got your back. And Jesus designed for the gathering was that man these people they got each other's back to the point where when there needs to be some correction or motivation or whatever man they, they, they're able to do it you know he says and let's not in verse 25 let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near he says there's, there's this accountability in the gathering like, don't don't neglect gathering together because there's something about that and it's not you know the idea behind that isn't that you showed up the idea is that you growed up I know it's bad English, but it rhymes. 
He doesn't care that you showed up. He wants to know that you growed up in the past week or time since you've, since you've gathered with one another. You know, it's where you get to ask that question. Hey, how did you do with what you were talking about last week? You know, that doesn't really work well in big crowds because we just, we talk about surface stuff. We talk about surface stuff, but inside there's a craving in us that desires to be connected to groups like that. And for many of you who have been a part of it, you know it. You just didn't know that that's what it was, but you're like, yes, I agree. I, I, that is what's happening in my life now. I'm, I'm growing in my faith because of this connection with other people. You know, Jesus knew He knew that when he made you that way and designed you for community. And Jesus knew it when he started this thing called the church and was new because he designed it for community. Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes to Galatians 6 verse 1 and 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. What is he saying here? He's like, hey, if you catch someone sinning, that, just realize it could be you. You guys need one another in this. If you catch someone sinning, if you see somebody who's get, getting it wrong, his assumption is that they're close enough to one another that they know each other enough that that can happen. I've had it before. I remember getting a, a text um, way, way back when where there was uh, somebody texted me and said, hey, if you, if you were in a restaurant and saw a man from the church who came in with a woman who wasn't his wife uh, and was doing things that you should only do with your wife, what would you do? I'm like, who is it? <laughs> and they're like, well, what would you, what, what do I do? Or do I just pray for them? And I thought about that, you know, and I, I remember telling them back at that time, I say, it really depends on how well you know them. Do you really know them? Like if, if it's just a person from the church and you don't even know their name, but you just saw them, you know, you go up and tell them, they'll probably tell you to mind your own business. But if you do really know them, you know, you probably would have already talked to them because you would have already known about that. And that person would be better off if they were connected to a group. I, we find this as it works with our, with our, young, uh, our young men's group. Uh, that's one of the ones that I'm a part of. And we were chatting a number of weeks back about some of the things we wrestle with and struggle with and just asking one another for accountability in some of those things. And one of the young guys, he's like, man, he says, I, I dropped the S word way too much. He's like, I was raised Dutch. It was just a normal word, but I feel like around other people, it's not normal. And I just really want to, I really want to stop that. And, and I love how Gary talked about it a couple of weeks ago where there was the list. It's not like we want to work on these things, but that Holy Spirit that we would look at, um, listen to Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives. And so we were talking about how we can encourage that in each other. Well, then of course this week as we're sitting around chatting, all of a sudden he drops the S-bomb and don't, don't the boys gently and lovingly, like just, her, you know, harass him. Hey, you know, you said, you know, and this is a reminder. The one guy's like, we just need to get a swear jar, right? We'll, we'll make money off of this. But it was that, that banter that was like, okay, you know, and at the end praying together again about that, allowing Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. No judgment, no harsh condemnation, but that camaraderie to say, yeah, you know what? Hey, remember, remember that this, you didn't want to go down this road. We're here to walk with you through that. And man, it's, it's powerful. And finally, Galatians chapter six, verse two, it's actually in the very next verse. Paul says, hey, this is what happens if you catch someone sinning, a brother sinning, but verse two, he says this, share each other's burdens, share one another's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ, share one another's burdens struggles, the things that they carry, their heavy weights, help lift their burden, help lift their trouble, help lift their heaviness. You realize that the pastor can't do that for everyone? There's never meant to be that way. Somehow we've, somehow we designed that, you know, in North American uh, church and it's gone way back, way, way, way back. But that was never Jesus' plan. 
His plan was that you guys would, we, as, as, and myself, that all of us would help carry one another's burdens. And, and um, you know, that it's mutual. Because I feel like sometimes we think, oh, you know, we'll just dump all of our, our burdens on people. A lot of people just call me. They only call me to dump stuff on me. They never call to say, hey, you know, how are you doing? And maybe you shouldn't, because I probably have some stuff I could dump on you. <laughs> Because it's that mutual idea of carrying one another's burdens. It's not the idea of, hey, what's in it for me? What's, what can the church, what's the church done for me lately? And you know, the truth is that when you realize and begin to carry one another's burdens and you, you have burdens, but you allow others to help you, that, that like, just like Ecclesiastes, that, when, that two are better than one and when one's weak, the other one's strong. But the, the idea is that sometimes the other is going to be weak and you're going to need to be strong. And it's that thing of saying, well, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord so that when I go, man, I can help my brothers who are, who are my sisters who are coming that are, that are hurting, that are struggling, that need some things. And, you know, in this way, I love how Paul says this. He says, bear one another's burdens and this way you obey the law of Christ. We talked last week about obedience as Jesus followers. Not that we just, we begin by following him to see, is he who he says he is? And when you get to that place of realizing, yeah, he is who he says he is and man, I need him. And yes, I believe in and I put my trust in him. He's my, now my, not just my savior, he's my master and he's my Lord and he, he deserves my obedience. So my obedience to walk that out, to, to share one another's burdens, to confess my sins to one another, to love one another, to find a way to, to be the church with others. It's this, the, that, that idea of um, being an actual doer of his word. It's where we started our faith foundation course a, long, uh, a number of weeks back. Don't just be a hearer of his word. You deceive yourself. He's like, you need to be able to do. And so if Christ gave us commands to do that we can't actually do in large gatherings of people, then my encouragement is that we would find small gatherings of people to be able to, uh, be able to live out what Jesus actually commanded so that we may be disciples, that we might make disciples, that we wouldn't have a weak, you know, shaky, windblown, sandy foundation, but that we would have this rock-solid, storm-surviving foundation in Christ. You know, we often talk about Jesus' command to love one another, but the question is, how are you actually doing with that? I have to ask myself that question too. How am I doing in the obedience to that? And so last week, I think as Gary was sharing, he mentioned, you know, we as a church, we just want to make it, you know, as difficult as possible for you to not be connected to a, to a small group. We, our hope is that we'll create as many opportunities as possible for you to be connected. If you're watching online and you're like, I, you know, I live way too far away to, to attend a small group in that area, to be connected to a, a smaller gathering of believers, I would encourage you to reach out because there's Jesus followers in your area. That you'd find a way to connect with others, to just go over some of these questions together, to, to chat about the things that are going on. I know there's actually, um, there's some, there's some sisters in our, in our church. One lives here, one lives in Winnipeg, and they connect with a pastor from Selkirk. And they do a Bible study together over Zoom every week and have a chance to pray together. I mean, there's ways to do it. The truth is, our hope is that you would grow. That you would grow and that you would help others grow as well. We all need each other. We need each other. 
You know, I just want to finish with this thought. This week as I was watching my cows, because I've got Highland cows, and I, I, I enjoy just standing there watching the field and watching them just, just be cows, you know. And this, uh, this week, all of a sudden, I saw, the, I saw like one cow's head come up and look. I mean, they're happily grazing, and she looks at this tree. And I don't see anything in the tree, but it's this kind of area of brush. And, and she looks, and she begins to walk closer to it. Well, then the other cow and the bull, their heads come up, and they look as well. And they begin to walk, and then all of a sudden, they just get totally rigid in a line, three of them all facing this bush. And the two, the two uh, young calves are standing behind them. And I was like, and I wonder what's in there, but whatever it is, they're, they're protecting those young ones. And it reminded me of, you know, back when I was a kid watching National Geographic and reading about the muskox and watching the show about muskox and how when, whenever there was trouble that came around, they would circle up and they'd get the, the young and vulnerable on the inside and they would protect them. I thought, you know, it's such a, such a powerful picture for us. You know, some of the Jesus followers are saying, well, you know, I, I think I'm doing okay in my relationships. I'm, I'm doing okay as a Jesus follower on my own. Can I tell you that maybe there's others who, who actually need you to be there, to circle up, to, to be the ones to help protect the vulnerable and, and, and fight on, the, on their behalf. And, and so my uh, encouragement for us as the church is that we would continue to grow in this area of circling up. That we is, you know, after, after you hear a, a message, wherever it's here or somewhere else, that, that you, you know, go over the questions with somebody else. Or, or maybe you'd make up your own questions, but just to have the chance to do some of these things. Some of these things that Jesus commanded us to, to be able to share, you know, to confess our sins to one another, to be able to pray out loud with one another, to, to know the burdens of other people and to help carry them. And should you see your brother wandering away or notice his blind spots to say, hey, I see maybe what you don't see. And man, I'm sure they're going to be glad that, that they knew you well enough to, to help them avoid pitfalls in the future. It's the church that Jesus designed based on relationships. And we want to encourage that because we see discipleship growing as a result. So why don't we pray together and then uh, give you some questions which uh, can maybe help you circle up. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your design for the body. You've caused us to be connected, that you've given each gifts and talents to help cause your body to grow. And not just as a whole, but as individuals, that we're better because of one another and we're better because of your, your expression through them. The Holy Spirit, the words that you give them that are, that as they speak into to our lives and us into theirs, that, that we just sense your presence and we grow in our knowledge of you. And we grow in our trust in you and our dependence on you. And we truly grow in relationship with one another. Father, thank you for... <laughs> Thank you for your church all over the world. There's gatherings everywhere that we are related to and connected to. And one day we'll spend eternity with. What a, what a, great, a great, great plan. Father, thank you that we're truly never alone. That you are always with us and that we never have to be alone because you provided family for us to be with. Lord, I, just, I pray that as you lead and direct our lives, would you help us to see what you're building and to be connected to that in a very real way. Father, thank you for the fruit of the truth of your word. May it be life-giving to those who hear it. May it be life-changing for those who need it. Pray this in your name. Amen. So we want to give you a chance to dig a little deeper. 
Hopefully, if you're watching by yourself, did you get on the phone or call, you know, call someone up or who also has watched this and have a chance just to chat about these things. Or if you're watching in a small group, I'm super glad that you're doing that and that you would have a chance to talk these things out. So here's a couple of things. We always ask this as you're, as you're circling up, what jumped out at you? And you know, maybe I'd like to give this challenge. I'd love for each and every one of you to, to share something today. What jumped out at you? Because maybe your thing is like, well, I'll let the other people talk and maybe I'll learn something. I just encourage you in your group, how, whoever it is, to just take the opportunity to, to give each, each person a chance. Hey, what was the one thing? Maybe it's small, but what thing jumped out at you? And then second, do you have people in your life that you can be truly authentic with? And why or why not? That's a, that's a, that's a weighted question. But I encourage you, you know, to consider it. And, and hopefully you'll have a chance to answer it. And then third, in what ways have you grown the most in your faith this past year? It's just an opportunity to share what God's done in your life and share a little bit of your story because I believe it'll encourage others. And then finally, who do you know that could benefit from being invited to circle up? Who do you know that could benefit from being invited to circle up? And then I'd encourage you to invite them. You know, oftentimes we wait for somebody else to invite us or we want, you know, we want somebody to, to, to do it for us. But I'm just encouraging you, the same thing. If there's a desire in you, it's in others as well. Would you invite them to circle up with you? Maybe after, you know, a service, you're going to go home and have a barbecue and just invite some people over. Say, hey, you know, come on over. And I love to just go over the questions with you. That may feel awkward at first. But I'm, if you do it, I, I can promise you, you'll be glad you did. And it is worth the effort. And you'll see it in the fruit of your life as you grow as his disciples. Privileged to be a part of your journey. Thanks for letting me share with you today. Thanks to our team for helping make this possible. And look forward to uh, seeing you soon. But uh, we'll be back here again online next week, Lord willing.